scripture reading this morning will be James 1, 19 through 27, reading from the King James Version. Wherefore, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear and slow to speak, slow to wrath. For the wrath of man worketh not the righteousness of God. Wherefore, lay apart all filthiness and separatory of naughtiness, and receive with meekness the engrafted word, which is able to save your souls. But be ye doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word, and not a doer, he is like to a man beholding his natural face in a glass. For he beholds himself and goeth his way, and straightway forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. If any man among you seem to be religious and bridles not his tongue, but deceives his own heart, this man religion is vain. Pure religion undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fathers and widows in their affliction and to keep himself unspotted from the world. Sometimes we have a tendency to take things for granted and forget how blessed we are, how rich we are in the eyes of God or what he's blessed us with. The song is, uh, that we sang just before the scripture reading is an indication of that, of our recognizing Satan telling us to live the Christian life is hard and difficult. And God telling us the yoke is easy and the burden is light. And to be able to trust him in that life that we live. There are times in our life when we forget how God has worked and the blessings that he has given to us. That he and his majesty and his greatness and his power has so cared for us as his creation that he has provided salvation through, for us through Jesus Christ. And that he's given us his word to guide and to direct us along this way. And sometimes we forget that majesty of God and that working of God and providing that word for us 
in the life that we now live. I've heard individuals and even recently make the comment along the similar lines concerning what we call the Bible here that if it was good enough for the Apostle Paul in the King James Version, it's good enough for me. Not realizing the majesty of God in providing a translation for us in a language that we read and that we understand, that this was not the original language that God spoke and has given his word This Bible that we follow and believe in and desire to be faithful to is unique. It's not like any other book that has ever existed on the face of this earth. It is a book that was written over a period of time, approximately 1,600 years from the time of Moses to the Apostle John in the book of Revelation. It spans spans about 40 generations. And these authors that wrote under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit came from all types of walks of life. Moses started out as a political leader in, in Egypt and then became a shepherd for the leading and the guiding of his people from Egypt. Peter was a fisherman. Amos was a herdsman. Joshua was a military uh, general. Nehemiah was a cupbearer for the king of Persia. Daniel was a prime minister in the courts of Babylon. Luke was a doctor. Solomon was a philosopher and a king. Matthew was a tax collector, and Paul was a rabbi and a tent maker along the way. Not only did they come from all walks of the life, they wrote in various places. Moses in the wilderness, Jeremiah in the dungeon, Daniel in the hillside and in the palace. Paul wrote from inside the prison walls. Luke wrote as he traveled. John wrote as an exile on the Isle of Patmos, and others wrote in various other ways along the way. They wrote at all kinds of different times. David in a time of war, Solomon in a time of peace. They wrote from during different moods or time frames within their life. Some from the heights of joy, and others from the depths of sorrow and despair. The writings cover three continents, Asia, Africa, and Europe. It's written in three different languages, Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek, long before it was translated into English. There's a harmony from the writing of Moses to the writing of John the Apostle. Moses, as he wrote in Genesis, would talk about paradise being lost, that Garden of Eden because of sin. 
And John would talk about paradise being regained in heaven. Moses in Genesis would talk about a tree of life that man would be separated from. And an angel would be placed to keep him out of that garden. And John would talk about that tree of life in heaven that bears its fruit 12 times, 12 months out of the year, constantly bearing its fruit. And we have access to it along the way. No other book even comes close to comparing with it. If you just took, for example, just took any 10 men from different backgrounds, different locations, even in one generation, and had him ride on a controversial subject, would there be the unity that you find within the pages of God's Word? The Bible is very unique in its translation and in its being circulated. One of the first major books to be translated would be the Word of God. Translated from Hebrew into Greek in about 250 B.C. Those who keep up with the statistics along the way. Talk about at times, in a short period of time, 1950 to 1960, there were 3,000 translators of the Bible at work, striving to give us translations in various languages. By the end of 1993, the whole Bible had been translated into 337 different languages. And there's over 2,000 languages that have at least one book of the Bible translated into their, to their native language. No other book even comes close in comparison to that. It is said that in 1804 there were 4 million copies of the Bible available. By 1932 that had risen to one and a third billion copies of the Bible that are available. No telling what it is today. Again, no other book comes close to this that we call the Word of God. Its survival is unique. And a lot of times we forget that as we pick up a copy of the Bible in our own language. Many of you are very familiar with the thought that if you has, as you have your favorite Bible and you use it over a period of time, it has a tendency to become separated along the way and pages become loose one way or another. And we forget God's hand, his providence in providing this for us. It was written over thousands of years on material that perishes. We do not have many full copies of the Bible 
over several thousand years of age. We've got fragments, but we do not have the full book put together. We forget at times that it had been copied and recopied for hundreds of years by hand. You sit down and you try to copy a book of the Bible, even looking at it and not make a mistake. They took it seriously in at times when they had it on scrolls sewn together that would be some of them 40 feet in length and they would be rolled out to find the book or the passage. If they found a mistake in any one of the pages of the scroll, they would take it out plus each page on, on either side of it and rewrite all of that to try to maintain its purity. Sometimes we forget God's providence and ensuring that we, what we have in our hand is true. Even with all of our modern technology, we'll still find printer's mistakes in the Bible. Find it very early in the King James and other translations. I've got one in my office where the, the, the books at the top of the page, I've got Galatians that is misspelled. With all the spell checks and everything else, Mistake can creep in there, we're not careful. But this think again. Copying it by hand, generation after generation, and the care that they saw because what they considered what they were doing was the Word of God. And they wanted to make sure that what they wrote down they wanted to make sure what they translated was indeed the Word of God. We live in a time frame now where that respect for God's Word has diminished sometimes greatly. There are others out there who are putting out books with the name Bible on it, but it's just their own interpretation of what they believe the scriptures are saying. They want to give you the gist of what Paul wrote rather than giving you what Paul wrote and let you figure out what he meant by what he wrote. But those early people, the time-consuming effort, again, of writing by hand, and particularly in the Hebrew, if you've ever looked at a Hebrew manuscript, you can see the intensity of what was their task. In Hebrew, they do not put the vowels in the text. They just use the consonants. And they do not use spaces between the words. And those scribes, whose livelihood depended on their translate or their copying, would have to know how many characters were on each page what the first character was, what the last character was, what the character in the middle should be, and make sure that every line had what it was supposed to have. God preserving his word so that you and I could have free access to it 
and could learn what it was that God would have us to do in order to be found pleasing in his sight. What we do have in ways of scraps here and there and partial manuscripts here and there far excel anything of any ancient book that man has written. We have more evidence that what we have preserved for us is God's Word than there is evidence for any of the writings of mankind at any period of time in history. All by accident? Again, of a God who is so loved or who so loved us that he, even using human beings who are frail and imperfect, would do what he could to ensure that again what we have is what, what God would have us to have. The Bible has been attacked down through the years. There have been Roman emperors who have thought, sought to gather up all the scriptures that they could find and to burn them. And then within about 25 years, another Roman emperor would pay at government expense to have 50 copies of the Bible made to be made available to those around. Again, you can go in any store today, almost any store today, and you can find a copy of the Word of God, and you can pick it up a dollar from there on up, depending on how much you want to pay for those. But you think about it, what it would cost, and the time that would be involved to get a copy of the scriptures hand-copied. This is what has happened in the 300s when the Roman emperor had hand-copied 50 copies of the Bible. Man seeks to destroy, but God in his providence is still there. It is said of Voltaire, who was a French atheist, who died in the 1700s, that he had predicted that Christianity would be swept out of existence within a hundred years of his time. Within 50 years of his death, the Geneva Bible Society used his printing presses to print copies of the Bible. Man seeks to destroy but God in his providence still preserves. Truly the statement is, is there that all flesh is as grass and all the glory of man as the flower of grass. The grass withers and its flower falls away, but the word of the Lord endures forever. Out of 1 Peter 1, verses 24 and 25. It has survived severe criticism, severe attacks. It's been attacked by those who at one time had followed it and then turned away and attacked it. But the Bible still stands. All of the charges against it have not withstood. 
a careful examination. Again, it is a unique book in the sense of its prophecies. Those who have read and considered the prophecies of Daniel, for example, have concluded that Daniel could not have been written in the time frame that Daniel lived. Reason being that the prophecies that Daniel gave were too precise to have been written by man before these events took place. And that statement is true. They were too precise to have been written by man. They were inspired by God. God is able to declare the end from the beginning and God inspired Daniel in his writing to write about kingdoms that had not yet come into existence and not only to write about them, to name them and what they would do. And indeed, this is what has taken place. Isaiah would talk about ten kingdoms. Other prophets would talk about kingdoms and name them, tell about the lifespan, tell what they would do and what would happen to them long before these things took place. Isaiah would call Cyrus by name 150 years before he was born. You think about that. To call a king by name a foreign king that would be an enemy of Israel, to call him by name 150 years before he was ever born and say what he would do, that, that he would be the one that would allow the Israelites to return from Babylonian captivity and it come to pass. The skeptics do not like the prophecies that they read within the Bible. Those who have worked in the field of archaeology and have made comments so many times, they have never yet uncovered one shred of evidence that would contradict anything that the Bible has said. On the contrary, most of those archaeologists who work in the Middle East, most of those archaeologists use the Bible to locate towns and cities that existed long ago and were buried and have been able to locate them and to dig up their artifacts. It is a book of history. It is a book of personalities. One of the beautiful things about the Bible is the fact that it shows no partiality, if you will, to those who were God's servants. It gives you the good and it gives you the bad about each one. Tells you what they did and the things that they did not do. Unlike many of the heroes of today where they want to give you all the good and and cover up all the bad that, that they had done as well. The Bible is unique in what it has to present for us. It is unique in its influence. It has been said that in any city of any considerable size if all the Bibles were destroyed that it could be put back together by the references that are given in the other books. The word of the Lord 
endures forever. The world itself is influenced by the Bible. Our judicial system is based upon principles found in the Bible. Our standards of morality are based upon principles found within the Bible. And there is a sense of morality in any society, regardless of who they are. But of course, what makes the Bible really unique is its origin. It comes from the mind of God. Jesus in his temptation with Satan in Matthew 4, verses 1 through 10 for the whole temptation part, but in Matthew 4, 4, when Satan quotes, or Satan tells Jesus, if you be the Son of Man, turn these stones into bread. And Jesus' response was, but it is written, man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that what? Proceeds from the mouth of God. Every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. The Bible is unique in that it is God's word to mankind. That is indeed what we are to go by. It is unique in its process of being revealed to mankind. It is the work of the Holy Spirit who guided many witnesses as they made their, translated their, or gave their works along the way. Men moved as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. They spoke as they were moved by the Holy Spirit. God guided them. It's a unique book in that fashion. It's a unique book in the the fact that it has one central message. 1,600 years of writing, 40 different authors scattered across the continents, but its central message is Jesus Christ, that he is the Messiah, that he is the Son of God, and he is the only Lord and Savior of mankind. Paul talks about that in 1 Corinthians 15, verses 1 through 4. That's the heart of the gospel, the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Of course, as unique as the Bible is, it is of little value unless we receive it as God's word and apply it in our life. As long as it is just a book that sits on a shelf, it serves no purpose. It has to be opened, it has to be read, and it has to be applied in our life. God gave us his word. God says, come and learn of him. Learn what he's done for us through Jesus Christ. Are we willing to learn? Are we willing to obey? Are we willing to live for the one who has so cared for us that in all his care and his providence, he's made it possible for you to hold that Bible in your hand and to be able to read it? 
Again, dare say, how many of us have more than one copy of this book? How many of us use it as often as we can? How many of you use it here and have free access to it? You can use it any time that you want. We have God's Word. Do we love it enough to read it and to study it? We're willing to do the things that God would have us to do. Depends on the invitation some, does it not? What are you doing with it? I am resolved. No longer to linger. No longer I'm going to let the world guide me. But I'm going to let God guide me. I'm going to surrender to Him and do His will. As you look at your life, as you look at the relationship that you have or may have or may not have with God, is there a need for you to make a change? And if there is, if we could assist you, if we could help you, then indeed we bid you to come as together we stand and sing.